everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Gravity. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. I'm Joel. And I'm Austin. And just like Gravity, we want you to let us go. Oh, uh, no, hang on. That's probably not the correct thing to say at the beginning of a podcast episode, isn't it? Don't let us go, guys. Please don't let us go. Listen, if you've never heard the show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. But there'll also be a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans, including a terrible impression, some horrible xylophone playing, a quiz, a caption contest, and a whole host of banter last week's film on trial was magic mike so before we get kick-started on this week's film dave you were the judge of magic mike were you uh, uh, have you had time to actually watch the film I have, since i have and do you think you make the right call no so, not, so not just that's all. remind us what list you placed it on <laughs> it went on the hit list and having watched the film i think it was really oversold to me pretty badly i, have to say. <laughs> I know i know you were bullshitting throughout the whole thing gav but i've got to say i am disappointed in you carried to witnesses for not oh. backing joel up a bit more i i think i, I think it was a good film joel's, yeah, joel's points were pretty solid having watched the film back no i disagree i, I think it's on the right list i think I'm it's genuinely it. a really good film no i didn't like it i mean i've got to say these talked talk about the choreography that didn't work i mean i can't help but notice that they put kevin nash to the very back of everyone <laughs> yeah, the poor man and it's just like shannon tatum can dance he's the only one who can the performances were bad gav mentioned how badly written the female characters were what gav omitted to mention is that all the characters are that bad <laughs> well it's, yeah, too late now yeah. it is too late too now late. but yeah I think uh, the character witnesses screwed Joel over a bit on that one I like the other 95% of people on uh, Rotten Tomatoes no. <laughs> shooting in for Channing Tatum <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks for that uh, okay guys so before we actually put this week's film on trial I thought we could have a little bit of news Nice. Why? Well, because gravity is essentially one ninety-minute pratfall. Yeah, nice. Oh, <laughs> I, I was I was more just happy that he, he played a song correctly rather than thinking what the actual song was. <laughs> we all knew what it was. We just didn't know why it was. <laughs> okay, uh, so okay, so this week's news is going to be you, Joel. Yep. So I, I saw a little post about Guardians 3, which is possibly going to be set uh, before Infinity War, and the director's uh, James Gunn is also confirmed that it'll be the very last with the current cast as well. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting, because obviously, spoilers alert, one or two of them died in Infinity War, and that could maybe signal um, you know, something possibly being permanent, maybe, who knows, but... Um, yeah, I was a little bit sad because I think the current cast works really well and I've enjoyed, pleasantly surprised, I think, at, at how well Guardians has done. I mean, I didn't know that that's what it was. I'd seen that James Gunn had shared his final draft of the script on Instagram the other day. I didn't know that it, that's when it was set. I thought it was set after Avengers 4, um, so after the, the, the second part of Infinity War and it was starring the current cast and that Adam Warlock was going to be the main, I don't know, protagonist, antagonist? Antagonist, he's, yeah. Because well, you don't know if he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy in it, but he's going to be in it anyway. But I, I, that'd be interesting to to see if it actually does lead on directly from Infinity War and if those cast members on it. Because, uh, as you said, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Infinity War, the only surviving member of Guardians of the Galaxy is Rocket Raccoon. Uh, and I don't know if he'd be able to take on a big evil just on his bill. I mean, what does everybody else think about it? 
I think it's a bit of a bluff, to be honest with you. I don't think we know when this is going to be set. I reckon it's it's all to defer people from thinking, oh, they're going to have to resurrect someone or bring someone back because we know we've got a third Guardians film in the pipeline. I think this will just put people off the, on the wrong track. I think that's that's all this will serve. I think it could be a bit of a bluff here. Mm. Okay, well, thank you very much for that news, Joel. Uh, before we move on, Alex, I think um, you wanted to discuss something in your weekly segment, Film Feels. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Thank you, thank you again for the introduction. Uh, this week, I was wondering, what's everyone's favourite plot twist in a Ooh, film? The, the moment on. in that film when it just, you know, it changes what you expect to happen, doesn't... What's the biggest plot twist you've ever experienced in a film? Once it comes to mind straight away for me, and that was the moment uh, when the guy gets up at the end of Saw. Yeah. First time I saw that, I was my mind was blown, I think. No, I know. It's pretty... Yeah, I have to say that's possibly one of the strongest feelings I've had in a plot twist as well. Yeah. yeah. That all sixth sense got me. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I think... What about Urban Legend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned that on Instagram to a film thing, and the entire thread, so it was a very popular film thread, yeah. were laughing at you. This is why it's it's good I'm not on social media. I think for Saw, it was so great because it was so original, but everyone, I think, forgets how good that film actually was and how good that twist was because there were so many lesser versions Mm. of of the film after that. They all got steadily worse than they they went on. I, I don't know about the biggest plot twist, but probably the most recent plot twist I've seen is in Hereditary. I'm not going to reveal too much because I know that none of you guys have actually gone to see it yet. I, I didn't like the film that much, to be honest. I think it was oversold and it was sold to me as something else. If they would have said beforehand that it's going to be this type of film, then I would have been pleasantly surprised. But because they said it was going to be a different type of film, I was quite annoyed by it. However, there was a fairly big or unexpected plot twist in it which i was really really surprised about to be honest and i thought the way they did it was very well done and yeah so i'd, I'd say probably that one for Fair me enough. what would you consider to be the ultimate plot twist psycho or empire strikes back Ooh. <laughs> what's the plot twist oh right yeah I don't know, maybe psycho for me, to be honest. Yeah, I, think, I think it could be psycho, yeah. I think that is the ultimate plot twist. That's that's what everyone is reaching towards right now. Yeah, definitely. And because at the time as well, maybe, it, I mean, can you think of any other plot twists that occurred before psycho? There's probably a oh, million. Oh yeah, there'd be loads. Yeah. But mm. when it comes to such iconic ones. That's the big one, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. the big one, isn't it? That was like the trendsetter. What, Usual Suspect? Is that what you yeah, that's, that's, that's a good, good one. That's, that's a good one. So that's what, one of the few films I've, uh, I've seen. Yeah, and that's how I was trying to wrap my brains right. when you mentioned it. You must be near double figures it. now, Ozzy. With the number <laughs> oh, of I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I've run out of fingers. So. <laughs> I, 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 I heard someone really annoying though. Apparently, went round all of the tube stops, and when they had the usual suspect poster, they just circled. Uh, uh, spoiler coming up. They circled Kevin Spacey and just went Kaiser so say. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Do you know what I really like about the usual suspects? And I like this about several of the films that have plot twists in are ones that kind of slyly and just very arrogantly but in a really good way reveal what the plot twist is before it actually happens just ever so slightly like for example in the usual suspects there are several things that indicate that it's going to be kaiser soze early on i think uh, i I mean uh, maybe i'm getting this wrong but soze translates into something like talks too much Uh, he says he says something that about um he has a urinary, uh, urinary infection that means he like has very thick 
urine and right at the very beginning when the uh, Kaiser Soze is pissing on Gabriel Byrne it's like this really thick urine you know it's uh, there's several things throughout the, the thick piss should have alerted everyone on. that's where my classic not, quiz not... name comes from <laughs> thick piss <laughs> but are there other films like Fight Club as well there's lots of little yeah. flashes throughout Titanic the Prestige Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of know that boat is going down subconsciously you don't know why there's something about it yeah. when Leonardo DiCaprio looks at Kate Winslet and winks and says something's going down later <laughs> he wasn't right. just talking about himself he was talking about the ship and, and I think that draws film feels to a conclusion I think it better add yeah. anyway so thank you very much for that Alex um, so <laughs> thanks <Ozzy. laughs> Right. So, uh, as I said earlier, if you've never heard the show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. This week it is Gravity, and the film has been pulled out of the hat at random. And so have the roles. So, in the role of prosecutor, prosecutor, <laughs> and who is trying to condemn this film to the shit list, is going to be my good self. In the role of defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list, is going to be Alex. Hello. In the role of character witnesses, are going to be captain dave and ozzy and they're basically going to be lending their genuine opinion behind either side of the argument to throw a bit more weight behind it and then in the most important role of the show is joel who's going to be playing our judge and basically his job is to listen to both sets of arguments and decide which film the list which list the film should be placed on based solely on the arguments that are put to him and not his own opinion and if you've listened to this show previously you might know that joel kind of buddies up a lot with alex with regards to terrible what films a load of absolute <laughs> wow. what, what a way to set yourself off on a bad foot there shoot yourself in the foot i'm joking though. i'm joking joel obviously we know you're going to be completely unbiased but before we actually start proceedings i think it's time to give the audience a bit of an idea as to what the film's about so why don't we spin that wheel of impressions Okay, so it's landed on me, and uh, basically I'm going to read out the synopsis as stated on IMDb in a particular accent or impression. I can't really think of that many that occur there's in like, Gravity. There's like three characters. <laughs> the main one, I think. Uh, the main one? Sandra. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you'd be remiss not to do her. Yes. Okay. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> wait, I'm gone. How does Sandra Bullock sound? Okay. Um, <laughs> two, two astronauts work together to survive after an accident which leaves them stranded in space. That's what it sounds like. It's just Kermit the Frog. Kermit you the think, Frog, pretty much. Do you think Sandra Bullock sounds like a Muppet? <laughs> have, you, have you been watching the right film? Uh, but can anybody give a better Sandra Bullock impression than that? No, not really. No, not really. Well, we're, thanks. we're men. For the first for the first time since we started this podcast, I really hope Sandra Bullock does not follow us. <laughs> okay, so Joel, would you like to kick off proceedings, please? Yeah, so I thought I'd add a fun little twist onto this one and make a little rule, which is no swearing. And if you do swear, then you get marked down a point. Oh, interesting. Nice. interesting. So it's kind of like Ring of Fire, but without the drinking. So it's essentially just punishing me before we even start. No, I, I, if we swear the exact amount the same amount then we're all right okay so if you say one i <laughs> yeah, promise yeah. i will say one so um, who, who, wants, who wants to go first because normally the, the the matches between gavin and alex are uh, kind of like akin to like a kindergarten scene 
I like to think a, a contest between gladiators. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, Jack. as he was introducing you, you were making obscene hand gestures. <laughs> <I imagine. laughs> like a gladiator. There's nothing would. gladiatorial about it. I love that bit in Gladiator where Russell Crowe's like wank it. Mark yourself down, Paul Jones. So is Gav going first? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, right, I'll start. Okay. So, uh, firstly, I'd just like to say that this does feel massively a bit like deja vu here to me. Uh, me versus Alex on a visually stunning film that has many flaws that are often overlooked because of the striking visuals. Man's anybody of Avatar? No, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, firstly, I want to talk about the plot, or what I should say, the lack thereof. It basically... <laughs> It basically uh, is down to, uh, you could essentially sum it down to a doctor in space inexplicably survives against the odds. That is, that is essentially the synopsis I should have read out. The film begins with three people, uh, Clooney's Kowalski, uh, another astronaut who is essentially a red shirt to be killed off, and Sandra Bullock's Dr. Stone, who I might add is not an astronaut, but a medical special advisor who for some unexplained and bizarre reason is assisting with the repairs to their spacecraft. Now, within eight minutes, we're told through the expository mission control character that those pesky Russians have blown up their own satellite for some bizarre reason and that the debris is hurtling towards them faster than a speeding bullet. Eventually, shit hits the fan and Dr. Spe- uh, Dr. Stone spends the next 80 minutes bumbling her way from mishap to another mishap, just like Mr. Bean in space. Oh, man. See, when I said that line about two weeks ago, that was very impactful. But Alex has been going around repeating that line so nobody would, would laugh, laugh at it during this episode. And it, and it, and it worked. And it did work. <laughs> oh, it's petty, petty, man. Anyway. Every catastrophe that befalls her character from then on may look visually stunning, but where's the story? At once Clooney floats off this mortal coil, there is little dialogue and zero story. The gaps between the disasters become more drawn out. Add that to the emotional sledgehammer score that at first is very effective with its long drawn out silent pauses, but soon becomes tediously boring and the film it's just it's just pretty just blur you know it's no it's it's very pretty to look at but if you want to go and look at something pretty for 90 minutes without a story you can go and look at my freshly decorated bedroom (laughs) (laughs) you plug plug in your own decorating skills (laughs) (laughs) anyway another thing that really annoyed me about it was that there were many 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 scientific inaccuracies Uh, see I read an article by Neil deGrasse Tyson which went into great detail about the many inaccuracies in the film including how all the satellite comms would actually have been fine throughout the film how Dr. Stone would have essentially been a goner from the get-go as she's hurtled off into space because at that speed, nobody would have been able to catch up with her and rescue her. Um, How Clooney's character wouldn't have needed to drift off because at the point where they were kind of attached by that piece of rope there was no tension so once Clooney let go he just would have stayed there still in space all Sandra Bullock's character had to do was essentially yank him and he would have come hurtling back to the to the ship I mean how I mean if I forgot about this one how Dr. Stone travels from the Hubble to the International Space Station like she's just nipping out the Asda it's just there's no way that you could actually 
get from one place to another because it's in a higher orbit and there's no way that you'd be able to do it on a jetpack anyway there's there's a whole like lack of decompression the entire time every time she goes into a different spacecraft there's no decompression she just takes off her spacesuit and she's she's fine the traveling through space using a fucking <laughs> sorry nearly saw <laughs> <laughs> i think he did i think he clearly did oh. he, he hit the k there yeah <laughs> using a fire extinguisher <laughs> She travels through space using a fire extinguisher like Charlie and his granddad burping their way out of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. <laughs> it just, you know, goes on and on and on. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for suspension of the disbelief. You know that I, I, I sat here and I defended Rampage, for God's sake. But there are there's just so many inaccuracies with this. And when you, can, when you add it to the fact that there is no story at all and it's just taking itself far too seriously, it just becomes tedious to the point of boredom Ooh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, like that, didn't you, <laughs> do you want to go yes right um i'd say that gav saying there's no disaster i'd say the disaster is the story i'd also say that the only two people who know about like you know the scientific inaccuracies are either the nasa scientists or people who google it afterwards saying is it actually i don't think anyone no, most people aren't looking at it knowing that there are scientific things that aren't go on i'm sorry to interrupt you Brucey. I are you. This is so <laughs> polite since I've given that role. Polite, oh, isn't oh, it? I'm sorry, Brucey. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, Alex. But did you honestly think that she could get from one space station to another using a fire extinguisher? She doesn't go from one space station to another. She goes a little bit of a way through space to use the fire extinguisher. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe maybe you can. Oh, all, come I, on. all I know is it was it was good drama. Uh, right. Gav also um sort of skip through the beginning and i think that's completely unfair uh gravity is for me just a superb cinema it was just an amazing cinematic experience it depreciates a little bit when it's on the small screen but uh it's still an amazing uh, it's still amazing but i have to say when i was at the cinema it was just breathtaking the opening sequence is amazing you've got this shot of the planet earth Actually, it starts with these titles that say, you know, space is completely inha- uh, uninhabitable, it's life there is impossible. Then you've got the Earth, and this slowly, you know, life comes in. And then there's this entirely, this is huge shot that lasts about 20 minutes. It feels like it's just one take. Um, you know, it goes from the silence of space, then, and you sort of feel about how insignificant they are there. And just through, it's pure cinema. You know, we haven't got the backstory where we've got Dr. Stone back on the Earth, you know, we've got, haven't got George Clooney's characters. It, all of the characters are set up incredibly quickly in space. You know, this is just the best use of cinema. They only use the voice and the breathing, but we just understand our principal characters just so quickly. And we also understand the setting, so we understand the difficulty of technology because she's trying to fix the spaceship. So we understand the setting and the characters just so quickly. That's what I love about cinema. Alfonso Cuaron is, he, he just knows exactly what he's doing. He doesn't need to do the normal sort of setting up uh, characters, you know, back on Earth and then putting them into space. He can get it go, going from, and with just a look, with just a little way that the actors are breathing, he trusts his stellar cast. He knows that they're going to get the job done. And especially with those opening titles, we're already asking the question which runs through the film. You know, Gav's saying there's no story there. It's not just the action. You're thinking a lot all the way through this film. You're thinking, why are they there? Why are they actually up there? You know, when when disaster strikes, that's when the soundtrack kicks in and the soundtrack is just fantastic. It just takes the film up like a hundred notches instantly. 
And the destruction of that space station is absolutely mind-boggling. You know, get Gav saying, you know, yeah, okay, a fire extinguisher, maybe, yeah, that, that maybe wouldn't work. I don't know, actually, but maybe it probably wouldn't work. But, um, you know, we don't actually know. This is the thing. This is what's great about gravity. We don't actually know the rules because it's in space. So when the debris comes over, you're thinking, well, it's floating in space. Couldn't you just bat it? Well, I don't, you know. But the way it just, like, smashes in, it's completely unexpected. You don't understand the rules. It's not like a similar stranded story that, say, if you're in the Arctic in the cold, in the desert, in the heat, or in water. We know the rules there, you know, more or less we sort of know what you need to do to survive. This is space, and when that debris comes flying through, and especially the way it kills one of the characters, it's so alien, it's so shocking, that it's just fantastic. Do um, you think, potentially, um, Raymere should do an episode on space survival? <laughs> extreme, extreme survival. Yeah. Just, just, I'd love just, to see Raymere filter in water through his bills while he's flying around <laughs> in space. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I'm, I'm now thinking of that, but yeah. Um, right, right. <laughs> also, uh, I think the direction of the camera is just fascinating, especially in this first sequence, but this carries on all the way through the film. You know, we seem to be a part of it, and uh, rather than just being shown, you know, the camera sort of moves fluidly. Like I say, it's all one shot. Um, you know, when she's adrift and she's fl- floating away, we we float into her helmet and it gives us this first person. And it shoots back to that first person like every now and again through the film. So we get all of these different perspectives. So even though we're just following one character, we get all of these different perspectives because the use of the camera is just so innovative, I thought. Um, so when she's lost, for example, and she's sort of drifting away, the camera floats off almost as if we're leaving her to her fate. And then when she hears Kowalski coming back to save her, it drifts back and she comes in. You know, the action just ebbs and flows perfectly in this film. You know, Quaron knows when to pause, when to inject a little humour, and when to give us a lovely visual, like when she's uh, floating after the first initial sequence is gone, she's floating almost as in the womb with, like, cords around her. So he knows when to slow it down, but he also just knows when to keep going, and the action just keeps building and building until at some points it's just absolutely relentless. And by the end of this film... I was just, I was completely exhausted. I was exhausted as um, Stone was at the end of it. <laughs> That's such an anticlimactic ending. Um, okay, Dave and Ozzy, who, do you agree with any points in particular or disagree with anything do in particular? Do you want to know about any points in particular? or uh, Just a general overview, really. I mean, I, yeah, I suppose they've both got contrasting points, but that would... Is yeah. kind of their jobs. Uh, do, you want to, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I go first. So I'm, uh, I'm in, I'm in Camp Brucey for this one. To be honest with you, um, I, I think that space is such an unknown. You know, I, I know we we hear about it a lot. You know, it's such an exciting thing for for loads and loads of things. But you know, who, who's to say that the you can't travel? You know, we we don't really understand what the rules are of space. You know, there's no gravity, so that's the whole point of it you know as soon as you start moving you keep moving so maybe you could travel a huge distance and um and i also don't think it really matters it's adds to the excitement and the um and it, it adds to the peril the fact that she's traveling and you don't know if she can stop you know you've got to try and find make sure she hits something because she doesn't have enough um fire extinguisher to stop herself you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so i mean it's, it sounds a little incredulous when you break it down like that but during during the film, during the film yeah. that that's not a it's not a problem at all. It's exciting enough to take you away from that. So, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Camp Bruce for that one. 
So what what do you think, Dave? Gav said uh, she kind of bounces from mishap to mishap a bit like Mr. Bean. Do you think that point has got any gravity behind it? Oh, hey. I see what you did there. <laughs> nice. I see what you did. Um, yeah, I think it does, actually. I think it was a little bit haphazard. I mean, I know Alex says none of us know what the conditions are like in space. I mean, we don't. We're not astrophysicists, but people out there do know what it's Give like. Give us time, Dave. Exactly. We're working on it. We're working <laughs> We're only 30. On it. <laughs> but no, I think you get a feeling of when something is implausible when something seems realistic and I think there's a few moments in gravity where it does feel implausible I don't know it is but it feels implausible fire extinguisher bit in particular you, you can't help but chuckle as she's like bouncing around you can almost put like a Benny Hill soundtrack on it as she's working her way around with this fire extinguisher going off and it's like it, it seems that everything that can go wrong does go wrong I mean I don't know how common collisions in space are I know there's a lot of debris up there but I thought they, they choreographed the space routes pretty well and it's just like every ship or every space station or every shuttle she gets on gets hit by debris at some point and you know it's just how unlucky can you be i mean what happens is the moon gonna hit her next what's going on okay yep sorry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the moon, the moon did hit her in the extended edition. Yeah, so yeah that was the extended edition. <laughs> Basically, she, she lands on the earth, and she's just like, "Finally, I'm here!" And then the moon falls on her. I, I'm struggling to think of, to be honest, an episode where Gav's been so polite. <laughs> <laughs> he interrupted me then, and he's like, "Oh, oh, sorry." <laughs> but just to give Alex's due, um, the soundtrack is fantastic. The soundtrack is superb, and it does look good. You can't deny that. Alex, can you hum? Any one of the tracks from the film. To be fair, he got straight into that. I, I think that's the intro to Wipeout. <laughs> okay, so who wants to go first in the next point? Over to Alex. Yeah, okay. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about the, the story, because Gav was saying there wasn't a story, and that there absolutely is. Again, it's not told in the most conventional of senses, but it is told in a really interesting way. You know, this is also, it's Alfonso Cuaron, but he's also working with Emmanuel Lubezki, who worked on some fantastic films before, including uh, The Tree of Life. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also, uh, which had great cinematography, whatever we all may believe about it, it did, it did look pretty. And also Children of Men. Now, I think, you know, Gav says Mr. Bean in space. I would be a bit, I'd I'd say, I think, no. It's more like if you've seen Children of Men, then you kind of know what you're going to be expecting when you're going into gravity. It's just high octane, high tension, and it just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. And the cinematography is absolutely amazing. But it's not just the cinematography of just the visuals. You know, it's not just, oh, it looks pretty and it looks nice and nothing more to it. The cinematography is important because we find out so much of a story. Like I say, maybe you could miss it. Maybe, I mean, it's one of those films where maybe if you didn't take that away from it, but you, you could miss the story a little bit. But I think no, those those quieter periods when um, Kowalski and Stone are drifting towards... Um, the Russian Soyuz rocket, uh, that she starts talking about her time on Earth and she talks about the pain she's gone through with the loss of the daughter. She talks about how she just drives. And it's just, you know, it's an incredible setting to have her literally adrift in space, talking about things that are actually very relatable to everyone. You know, we've all gone through pain like that and we can see how you could feel drifted and how you would be almost in a limbo life. You know, she's not actually living life. She's up on, you know, she's chosen to go into this inhospitable realm. But the story of the daughter just, you know, it comes back when she sort of decides to, you know, to to, to really try and uh, survive. It comes back again and again and again. Um, and I think it's just beautifully done. It's not over the top. It's not right in your face, but it's done all the way through it. And if you sort of ca- catch on to it and 
You know, I, I, I'm surprised people say about, you know, and the, the fire extinguishers come up an awful lot. It's only a very short bit. Yeah, I, I think if you come into it thinking, well, that couldn't happen or that couldn't happen, that couldn't happen. I think you could ruin almost any disaster movie or any horror movie for that because there are horror, horror elements, I think, to, to gravity. Um, I think you could ruin any film like that. But I think if you get into it, and especially if you engage with that story about her daughter and her reasons for wanting to live in, then I think this is an incredibly beautifully shot film with an incredible soundtrack and, and a very, not a complicated, but a very good, simple story right at its core and woven into everything. Hey, well, Gav's shaking his head already. I'd honestly, I feel like my head's going to fall off the amount of shaking I've been doing. Uh, it's, <laughs> firstly, okay, the story is non-existent, Alex. and I, I wasn't kind of, I'm not a big space buff. I don't know a great deal about space or astronauts or anything else really you know, to be honest birds, so. <laughs> yeah i mean see that, that, that's, <laughs> that's my that vocabulary <laughs> exhausted already about space but i was able to question the film throughout and it wasn't because of my ex- extensive knowledge of space which we've all just established is rubbish but because there was nothing else in between the big action set pieces and it reminded me a bit of quantum of solace uh, which I absolutely hated. And I later found out that, <laughs> that with Quantum of Solace, what they did is they wrote the action set pieces first and then they wrote the story around it. Now with Gravity, it seems to me that they wrote the action set pieces. This is going to happen, there's debris, then there's going to be an explosion, then she's got to get to this, then she's got to get to this. And then they left the story till later and they kind of, as Alex said, tried to weave it in here and there. But it's just non-existent, especially when Clooney's character dies and she's on her own. There is, there is nothing there really. And I, what Alex pointed out before, he said about the characters, I would have to entirely disagree with him here. There's no build up of characters. Uh, it just kind of, the film starts, right? They're in the middle of a conversation and then the debris hits. You don't know anything about these characters beforehand. And then I would argue that there's no real development at all. I mean, Sandra Bullock, uh, apart from uh, her character, Dr. Stone, apart from going through all this, the, you know, these mishaps in space, doesn't really develop, she doesn't really grow. It's George Clooney's character at the end, he just just dies. Sorry. What? Oh, sorry I'm not a defense system. I'll, I'll yeah, come no, in later. I, I, I want to. <laughs> so, but I, I, do, I do want to talk more detail about these characters. Uh, I think that Sandra Bullock does a good job here with what little she's given. And I'm not actually prosecuting Bullock's performance at all, but I character should definitely be on trial i mean some people herald this as a strong female lead in a hollywood blockbuster but it just isn't it is not at all bullock's character embraces the usual tired gender stereotypes no honestly alex i swear down watch it again mate watch it again you've got the blinkers on no you've got the blinkers on 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 go on go on go on no she just plays a damsel in distress in distress for the first part hang on right can we all right acknowledge the fact that we're not women right and we can't speak for an entire well, neither, other gender neither, neither right. are you yeah. no but i but I, what i can do is understand what is being shown to me well, i understand it and, too. And, we disagree on it no, but okay well, well you let me have my point and then you can argue and okay. uh, decide if you agree or not okay. but she plays a damsel in distress for the first part of it she's constantly being rescued by george clooney you know at several points in the film she has to get tethered from one place to another by him and even after he's died his character doesn't exist anymore he still appears later on and assists her in escaping 
reminds, reminding her that life is worth living. She didn't come to that conclusion on her own. Well, she did because it's her own head. No, no, but this is the thing. It's not, if it just would have been her or if it would have been, you know, like kind of her imagining having a conversation with Clooney, but the fact that he's visually there, it's just, it's just infuriating. No, it's, I know you've got your hand. Go on, what, what do you want? Just, I think you've missed Alfonso Cuaron's point there. I haven't, I haven't uh, missed right, the point. Just, just, I've got the point. Just, hang on, hang on, hang on. He's, he's clearly like, I knew it started too well. Yeah, no, it's going to, it's going to descend now. He's clearly subverting uh, audiences' expectations because audiences, you know, it's a, it's a common trope that the man comes in to rescue the woman. That's exactly what he's subverting. I think Alfonso Cuaron would go, yeah, that was the point of doing that sequence. And then the fact, and then the fact that he says, (laughs) there's a point. And then, (laughs) and then, and then the fact that he says, and then the fact that he takes it away. And then she saves herself. I mean, it is in her own but mind. She doesn't. She, saves no, she doesn't. She like, does. uh, it, okay, it's it's, it's her, her, it's her thinking about George Clooney. But why is George Clooney there in the first place? To subvert the audience's expectations. Well, why the, have the, him the in man. there? If he's subverting him, just leave him out altogether. No, you know, he doesn't need to be there. No, no. At no point in this film does she use her own ingenuity or her own expertise or knowledge. She relies on sheer luck most of the time, or the assistance of some guys and a ghost George Clooney. You know, she's a doctor for God's sake and not once does she use her medical expertise. George Clooney's character, who isn't a doctor, he's an astronaut, has to explain to her what happens when you are, are, are restricted from oxygen. She's a doctor. Why are you mansplaining what happens when you are restricted from oxygen? Okay, like, we'll move on from that point, I no, think, before no, we go around. I've, I've, got, I've got so, so, so many more. Like uh, Brucey mentioned about, you know, like kind of oh, that bit where she's floating around just unnecessarily in their lingerie for just two long a moment and he's saying oh it's she's beautiful not necessarily it's... In, a, in a lingerie she's like that, that's what astronauts wear yeah, well actually actually in this Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> the yeah, guy I love this guy I don't know who he is but... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very famous astrophysicist and anyway he says that there should be some sort of like foil suit underneath to keep them warm when they're outside it doesn't matter anyway it's irrelevant I just thought it was just prolonged uh, you know I just think that like, I'm, 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 like you Sorry, can roll your eyes as do, much do, as you do, want do you think it she's sexualized in this film I do yeah honestly really yeah like those bits where she She's flying about, like kind of just hovering beautifully in this kind of like. It's I imagine yeah, that he's trying to it's do a it. womb. Yeah, he, I, well, I was going to say, I imagine that he's trying to share with the womb. It, it, I just think it's unnecessary. And from then on, she spends a long time in her lingerie. That, that's 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 all. That's all I'm saying. There's there's no way she'll be wearing that anyway. And I just think it's unnecessary and irrelevant. Anyway, that's not the point. What I wanted to say was that. With this film, right? If it was a male character, if it was George Clooney's character playing, if George Clooney was playing Doctor Stone, right? He would have some sort of like crisis about futility and existence and it would be generally profound his character would have all these deep thoughts when he's locked in there in his own and he would explore his own backstory his own you know kind of history and the stuff about his child and he'd question his own sanity but that doesn't happen with her what it all boils down to is her just having a crisis about a dead child not the fact that she's alone in space and it's just because to me it just it screams of a female character that's been written by a man and the thing that it all boils down to is motherhood and being a woman and that's that's what her big dilemma is even though she's in space she's thousands of miles from any help or any anything at all she could drift off at any moment she doesn't have a crisis about that she has a crisis about her own womanhood go on what, what are you trying to say uh, I don't think it's a crisis about her womanhood. I don't think it's a crisis about motherhood. I think she's experienced serious pain and the loss of the child. That's what the, the loss of a child is one of the worst things that can happen. That's why she's uh, she's basically in space. She's completely 
separated from life on earth and also you know she i I just think at one point you said she doesn't use she uses luck and she doesn't use ingenuity the the, basically the last two-thirds of the film that's all she's using is her knowledge and ingenuity and reading manuals and sorting things out she's i i think she's a very strong female character she just blindly starts hitting buttons in chinese she she reads the manual okay well we'll we'll pass over to dave and ozzy dave and ozzy who do you agree with specifically on the point of is Sandra Bullock either a strong female character or a weak stereotype of a woman? Go on. Uh, okay, I'll go first. I'm with Alex. I think this... I, I can see some of, of Gav's points. I think maybe... I remember thinking during the um, the, uh, the the underwear scene, you know, is that totally necessary? It's, it's a great shot. Uh, and I think it helps with the story and the, the whole, uh, you know, the, the visual aspect of it. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not with her. I don't think she's like damsel in distress or whatever. The two of them are incredibly professional. They're up there for totally different reasons. He is an astronaut. So he is giving her the orders when it comes to astronaut stuff. And then she's in charge of the science stuff. Here's one for you. Why you not know, have George Clooney's character as a as a woman? Like, why not that? That, that for, for me, that would that would well, Gav, that, that would dismiss it, the whole thing. If George like, Clooney's character was a woman, but it's almost like if every film doesn't have all women in it, then it doesn't. No, 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 no. no that, that's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like if you're gonna have a female character in it, make her a good character. I, well, I think I think so. I think she is a good character. I think she's. She, 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 she's, she's just strong... fucking hapless and she just goes from one accident to another just like having crises and you know and figuring bumbling. it out and reading no, manuals no, no. okay sort of, okay okay yeah. dave do you want to step in yeah i actually i'm actually kind of leaning towards gab's arguments on this one i see what it, i hadn't really thought about it before to be honest with you but i kind of see his point i see a lot of alex's points as well and i think i think gab's taking it to an extreme side i don't think all of what gab said is, is quite accurate but for the most part the bit about damsel in distress i do i do see where he's coming from with that i'm thinking back to the start when she's working on the shuttle and george clooney's like floating around and he comes over to see her and she drops one of her uh, bits of equipment i forget what it is she's using but she drops it and he goes and retrieves it for her. it's like there you go what do you like and it's like now that i'm thinking about it gav's got a bit of a point here to be honest with you i wouldn't dismiss it i really wouldn't i think there's 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 groundings to this there is a bit of a point there i I don't think that's true it's not sexism for like for people to help each other out no but that's not what i'm saying i don't think that shows that's not what i'm saying at all that's not what i'm saying also it shows that she's not that confident in space and that's kind of showing that she's not and then she becomes she's not an astronaut and she's not an engineer so why is she fixing the thing in the first place she's only had a short amount of time in the training she's not confident she's she's and that sets up that she's actually worried about being in space so when she overcomes that later on that's it's bigger because she was worried about it. If she was more confident, if a George Clooney character, for example, carried on, it wouldn't be as big a, an arc. You know, she does have a, a huge arc. Okay, okay, I think I've got enough to go on here before because I think we're we're going on this we point a fair, a fair a bit. bit. Um, so we'll pass it over to whoever is doing the quiz this week, which I think is is Dave. Uh, are they going to be closing arguments or? Yep. Or closing arguments. Then. Closing arguments. I, I don't think Gav deserves one actually for his minus three. Minus <laughs> three. <laughs> You've only got thirty seconds. That's your penalty, Gav. There's no way I'm going to be able to get this done in thirty seconds. <laughs> Someone time in thirty seconds. That's all he's got. Right, ready, Gav, go. 
I'm asking the judge not to get too distracted by the visual effects in this film and instead think about the poor characters and scripts which were embarrassingly exposed between set pieces. If you're looking for a strong story set in space, watch 2001 or Solaris. If you're looking for a film that deals effectively with isolation and loneliness and peril, watch All is Lost or even Cast Away. This film is no more than a 90-minute screensaver. It's not good enough to be on the hit list. <laughs> wow. That was 30 seconds. That was 25 well seconds. <laughs> Uh, Alex, you, you managed the grand total of. Can I have his 30 seconds? Grand, grand have a minute. <laughs> you can have a minute. You didn't even have enough points. Points for a second argument, just regurgitated your face. Oh, Gav. Gav, come on. <laughs> right. Oh. I'm going to go. Um, it's a beautiful film, it's really well shot. It's pure cinema in a sense of it, the story is woven into everything. It's woven into the shots. It's woven into the way we look at things. It's woven into the very small nuances of a character of a character's acting. You got Sandra Bullock and you got George Clooney doing some fantastic performances here, and really, really amazing. I'd say one of Sandra Bullock's best. She's a very strong female character. She sorts so, uh, she sorts so much through this film that I can't believe anyone would think that she's not a strong female character. And her character, the backstory with her child is incredibly touching. And not only that, but again, it links in so well with the themes of being set in space and fighting desperately to get back to Earth. A high-octane thriller that should be on the hit list. Alex, just one question. What's that kid called? Uh, Sarah. <laughs> oh, Sorry, can up. you apologise? <laughs> 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 there's there's got to be you, something. You probably made it up. You probably made that up. You probably made that up. Well, I think uh, I've got enough to go on with. So uh, back to Dave. Okay. So okay, quiz time. Let's, let's lighten the mood. Quiz time. So better be a fucking good quiz, Dave. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah bring it back, Dave. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is one of those quizzes where you know you get the title of it in your head and you just kind of build the quiz around that. Like you were saying about action set pieces, may not necessarily make a good film, may not necessarily make a good quiz, but we'll see. Uh, in this quiz, I'm going to give you uh, names of characters from films, and I want you to tell me whether they're famous astronauts or famous dentists in something. I would like to call gravity or cavity. <laughs> oh. oh, great! Brilliant. Well done, Dave. What came, what came first? <laughs> what, what came first, the gravity or the cavity? Uh, sorry, the, na- the name or the questions? Um, I'm, I'm going to give you the, na- oh, the, the name. Concept the name. I, I thought gravity. What rhymes with gravity? <laughs> cavity. Okay, I've got to have to work on this one a bit. <laughs> so, I'm glad it was you doing the quiz because if it was Gav, it would have been cav- uh, gravity or depravity or something. <laughs> <laughs> famous well, I, famous I, sex uh, offenders. And, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that <laughs> as soon as someone <laughs> makes an Isaac Newton biopic or something. <laughs> I, I, I was going to do a true or false Sandra Bullock film, uh, Bullock or Bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) I was toying with Bullock or Bollocks, but I thought, you know what, we can save that for another time. Famous types of cow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to give you the names of characters. You just got to tell me gravity or cavity, astronaut or dentist. If I was to say to you, Melissa Lewis, Joel. Uh, Dentist. Austin? Ash. We doing ast- what was the, what was the Gra- gravity? Gravity. Or gravity. <laughs> gravity. Uh, gravity. Gravity. Okay, sorry, Joel. The others are right. It oh. is gravity. It is Jessica Chastain in The Martian. Oh. If I was to say to you, Doctor Amelia Brand. Ooh. Joel. Ooh. Uh, dentist again. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a trick. I think cavity. Yeah, cavity. Cavity. 
Sorry, guys, you're all wrong. Shit. That is Anne Hathaway and Interstellar. Oh, shit. Oh, She's yeah, a dentist. Is... Oh, no, right. <laughs> <laughs> if I was to say to you, Dr. Stuart Price. It's got to be a dentist this time. Eventually, yeah. Cavity. Cavity. Oh, gravity. Sorry, Alex. Oh, all right. Right. <laughs> that, that logic was right. It's ca- I'm surprised you didn't know that. That's Ed Helms in The Hangover. Oh. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you got that, Joel. Uh, Dr. Nick Ozaransky. Mm, do not recognise that. I reckon dentist again. Uh, gravity. Yeah, cavity again. Uh, gravity. I think that goes to Joel and Gav. I think oh. you said uh, cavity. That is Matthew Perry in the whole nine yards. <laughs> I thought it was the whole nine yards. I didn't want to say though because that made me look like an even bigger biff than I am. Uh, Dr. Dave Bowman. Um, gravity. Mm. Gravity. Yeah, gravity. Go on. Cavity. Sorry, Alex, it was gravity. That is Keir Dulia in 2001 A Space Odyssey. If I was to say to Dr. Frank Sangster. Uh, Dentist. Cavity. Cavity. Yeah, cavity. Cavity. You're all right, it is cavity. It's Steve Martin in Novocaine. If I was to say to Dr. Oren Scrivello. Ooh. uh, Gravity. Cavity. Mm, Gravity. Gravity. Austin got that one. Oh, it's Cavity yes. again. It's another Steve Martin character, this time from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. If I was to say to you, Dr. Julia Harris. Uh, gravity. Uh, gravity as well. Yeah, Gravity, I think, in the film. Gravity. You're all wrong. It's Cavity. Oh. It's uh, Jennifer Aniston, Horrible Bosses. Ah, uh, I know yes. the name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Elizabeth Shaw. Yeah, that is oh, Gravity, shit. I think. That's I it, know. Alien or Prometheus or one of those oh, ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say Gravity as well. Spoiler Good. there, Joel, yeah. Gravity. Cavity. You should have listened to Joel. <laughs> He's quite right. That is Numi Rapaz in Prometheus. And finally, Dr. Philip Sherman. Oh, got, shit. Got to be. Cavity. Go on, Joel. Cavity. I think it's Gravity. Cavity. Isn't it? Cavity. American Pie. Sorry, Ozzy. Oh, no, you're right. right. Yeah, it yeah. is a dentist, but yeah. it's not American Pie. It's the name of the dentist in Finding Nemo. Oh, is no. it? <laughs> and uh, there you go. That is the end of the quiz. I well, think. Well, well, I could think. Of I think you're all pretty even in that one. To be honest, I was trying to keep chart oh, track, but it's quite hard. I could only think of the nutty professor when you said Sherman. I was like, oh, <laughs> Sherman Helms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done, Dave. Uh, Very nice. Yeah, nice Thank work. you. Thank you. Right, yeah. Joel. So. Uh, I, I always think I, I have a tough job. I think these ones are... are <laughs> Just constantly, doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> com- completely split down the middle, though. I think uh, Austin was more on Alex's side and, and Dave was more on on Gab's side. And I think all the points were, were pretty even as well. So really what I've done is kind of flip a coin and just gone with gone with what I think is best no I haven't really I just, wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to see Gav's reaction he just angrily looked up from slowly his coming towards you I think he was um, there were some points which I, I liked from both sides I'm not going to go into it massively but what I will say is that just very slightly I am going to put it on the hit list and there's a few kind of reasons for that. Hey. I did I did like a lot of Gab's points and I did find myself kind of uh, thinking about when I watched the film when when Gav spoke about it as well. But there were there were things that Alex said which I really liked. Um and that was like the cinematography and how it goes from like first person view and uh like the breathing and, and all like the sound I think is very good in that film and I think uh that plays like a big part of it because there isn't many characters and there isn't much dialogue. And the action set 
the action set pieces, I think uh, they were all pretty good, to be fair. And the story, I think I was entertained and I, I was excited when I was watching it. And I, I think it, it did fit together well. But while Gav was talking about uh, kind of Sandra Bullock playing a damsel in distress, I did kind of quick, quickly Google some of the stuff that Gav was saying. Uh, and there is a few things on Google out there. Apparently, uh, like there's an astronaut on uh, one of the American uh, chat shows who says basically they were... Uh, which l- kind of look like adult diapers under the uh, under the uh, you know astronaut suits. I forgot what they're called now. Um, it's hard to know really where to where to draw the line with that you, type you, of stuff. You've got to have artistic license, though, isn't it? No, one yeah, wants no, no, to no see but there's artistic license, and then there's just like being titillating for being titillating. Well, I, I, I genuinely didn't find a character sexualized. Yeah, I, I googled the picture. I I mean, honestly I, reckon, right, I, right? Just a genuine question, honestly. I'm sorry to cut you off, but if it was George Clooney playing that that title, he was playing Doctor Stone. Yeah, do you honestly think they would have done that recreation of the womb scene where he was in his bills and he was in that position? No well, idea. no, but I don't think it would have worked for. Well, I'd see. I, I doubt it. I, I've, I honestly I've no idea. But did, I mean, that's. And I think a, if George, hypothetical. I think if George Clooney had been under it, he'd probably have been in a spacesuit. But I do think the clothes that Sandra Bullock was wearing weren't particularly sexy. At least when 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 I looked at the picture, that's not what I got from it. Were you looking at the one where she was wearing an astronaut suit? <laughs> <laughs> I just no. That would have that done it. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean. I, as I say, it was very close and I did agree with points on both sides and I had to go with one side or the other, which is pretty obvious and I went with I went with Alex this time. Yeah. Right. Genuine opinions. I thought it was shit. <laughs> uh, Alex? I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much... Uh, I agreed with everything I said. Um, the only thing, that, like the only small point which if Gav had said it, I would have probably had to agree with like i loved everything but i wasn't sure the script was always as hot as the rest of it that was i still think it's a hit film but i'd say maybe the weakest element of it was possibly the script i did go on in great detail about how the story was terrible no not the story there's nothing there's nothing but not the story how how do you separate the story and the script the story's the plot the script is what they say there's no script and there's no story and if there's no story then there's no script let's not work it back now Gav we're, we're alright right. yeah. although I think after the Mr Bean in Space uh, comment as I said in our uh, little WhatsApp the other day you've ruined simultaneously gravity and Mr Bean for me <laughs> <laughs> okay guys what do you reckon higher or lower than our previous film on trial Magic Mike higher 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 yeah much much higher what do you reckon 8.4 8.4, anybody else? 8.9. I'd say less, uh, 8.0. I'm going to say 7.8. Oh, you've defo just cheated. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm updating the podcast now. <laughs> oh, well done, mate. Yeah, 7.8. Oh, no, really? yeah, well yeah, done. Yeah. Bang well on. Okay. okay, so um, on to our caption contest. Basically, I take a screenshot of this film and I ask our friends and followers on Twitter to provide a funny caption to it. So this week, I've taken the very, very last scene of the film in which an exhausted Sandra Bullock's Dr. Ryan Stone claws herself onto the beach and she passes out in exhaustion and i've asked people to provide a caption to that and here they are you guys just have essentially got to pick the funniest one and the winner will win a chocolatey froglety frog shaped chocolate treat Uh, so without further hesitation number one i was finally able to poop (laughs) (laughs) okay uh number two uh getting in touch with every syllable of my name 
faced up sand, followed by drawing, <laughs> bullfighting, and lockpicking. <laughs> uh, number three, this is the best mud facial I've ever had. Okay. Uh, number four, never thought mud would feel and smell so good. Uh, number five, Miss Congeniality 3, Undercover Mudder. It's a brave new addition to the franchise. Uh, the next one, Son of a Beach. Um, we've got another one. At this moment, Ryan realized she was actually dead. Uh, and the next one is, I go through all of that and make it back to Earth just to do Ocean's 8. Uh, the penultimate one, Willy Wonka, how could you do this to me? And the last one is, this is not... This is not the sandals vacation I was promised. <laughs> I'd, I think I'd go with the Sandra Bull lock one. I'd, I'd do it to the Miss Congeniality one. Yeah, that's that's good one. Miss Congeniality, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so well done. Congratulations, two films remembered badly. You've just won yourselves a Freddo. Okay. <laughs> I think all of our minds were blown this week as well when I posted the fact that white chocolate Freddos are, are now a thing yeah, yeah. and have been a thing for a while in Australia. And if you live in Australia, I mean, you should probably be ashamed because you, nobody shared that with any of us and they've probably <laughs> yeah. had that for a while they've now. They've been keeping them to themselves yeah. While well, we've been eating these milk chocolate Freddos. I posted a Freddo to New Zealand. I was going to say, week, like, we have yeah. sent a, a Freddo to Australia as yeah. well. And there was me thinking it was some sort of exotic <laughs> treat. <laughs> like, bloody Freddos. <laughs> we've got bloody white chocolate ones over here, mate. <laughs> They're made with different chocolate, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, because oh, of the what extreme was that accent, <laughs> It's Ray Winston. <laughs> Where's your fucking Freddo? What are you buying? Uh, okay, so guys, we have, uh, while we've been recording this show, picked our next film to be reviewed out of the hat at random, and it is a good one. It is Prometheus. Oh. And we've also picked out the roles at random in defense of Prometheus. Good luck is Joel. Ooh. I fall some absolute shit, isn't yeah, it? You've, had, you, you've had Suicide Squad and uh, no, Masters no, of the I, Universe. I think what you mean to say, Joel, is this will be a doddle. Yeah. I can walk through this one. Okay. Okay. What a film. Depends. Who's judging? Well, in prosecution of the film is going to be Captain Dave. Actually, just scratch that. You know, it's shit. You're absolutely right. Shit. Uh, character witnesses are going to be Brucey and Ozzy and that means I'm going to be the George Joel. I will try and be as unbiased as I possibly can. But can I please ask you to at least try and put up a fight and not just jib it off halfway through like your argument for Suicide Squad? (laughs) Well, some things just aren't possible. That should have been the tagline for Suicide Squad. (laughs) Uh, uh, Okay, so just before we close, just want to say a big, big thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode and all of our previous episodes. You can catch all of our past and our future stuff on our spanking website spanking <laughs> spanking interesting I was, was going to say brand spanking new but it's quite just, old just went, isn't it just went for spanking just then just get rid of brand and new and just go for spanking on our spanking website filmsontrial.co.uk I changed the colour nobody even noticed there we go see, that, see that's why I was thinking it was brand spanking new there's a new colour there thank you very much Jesse. Well thank you yeah. uh, also you can catch all of our stuff on iTunes Spotify and other podcast platforms why don't you give us a follow on Twitter at film trials there you can suggest films for us to be put on trial we've had a few good ones recently that have gone in the hat so please send us your recommendations and we will eventually put them on trial while you're there why not check out our friends and collaborators winston sang and austin ray that's our graphic designer and music producer respectively at the underscore quirks and at aussie ray also why not check us out on all of the other social media platforms 
YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook films on trial. So gravity has been put on trial and it is on the hit list and we will be in your ears next week with prometheus good luck joel thank you very much everyone and goodbye